This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Christy Goodell, Hello. Philip Summers, Aloha. and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hello, and we are back with <laughs> Educational Triage. This week, we have Christy Goodell. Hello. And we do not have Philip this week because, well, Philip is off doing family stuff. So, Christy. How does it feel to be, well, I've got Autumn. You can hear Autumn with me. <laughs> I can hear your doggy. <laughs> How does it feel hot. to be the Lone Ranger this week? I know. I'm, I'm the, what is it? The cheese stands alone. One is the loneliest number. All those fun things. Is that a little frightening to think of cheese having legs? Oh, wait, don't. Oh, it has a nose. Isn't that what they say a lot of times with cheese? Like it has a certain nose about it. Am I making that up? No, the cheese stands alone. I mean, that's part of the farmer in the Dell, isn't it? Yeah. But like when they talk about, you know, cheese, when you work in the cheese shop and it has a strong nose, right? Isn't that something as well? Oh, I have no idea. Am I making this up? I just say it smells. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was something like it's... Anyway. I'm... I, I wasn't educated in a fromagerie, <laughs> so, so I, I I really, I'm not really sure. I just know cheeses that I like, which are really pungent. Yeah. I don't like really salty. I don't like feta cheese. I <gasps> love feta cheese. It's too salty for but me. But I like it on, like, I wouldn't eat it with, like, just a cracker, you know? Right. Like, with a right. good brie or something, but, mm -hmm. like, feta on a salad or, like, feta a little goes a long way. And, some like chili oil. Yeah. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah. A little goes a long way. Yeah. Limburger. Oh, I could eat Limburger by itself. See, that's a, that's a smelly one. It is, but it is so good. Oh, and some it. of the cheeses I had in South America were so wonderful. Oh, well then and, if you're like in the country, right? Like they, they know what they're doing. Oh, they oh, just fantastic cheeses that we don't have anything like here. But anyway, I digress. Um, this week, we are talking about how to build community. And this could be for a classroom. This could be if you're trying to build a community for a program. It could be for a school. Mm -hmm. So um, I put together some notes. Yay! I think I shared that with you. And um, what, what do we really need to do? And I think 
the first thing that we always need to take into account is communication. Right. Because right, you right. always have, I mean, if you don't communicate, you're going to have issues. No, absolutely. And, and that really gets to people. You know, so. <laughs> now there is over communicating. Yes. Which can be just as detrimental. I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sometimes you're saying too much. Right. And then you run into the problem of hurt feelings because you say, okay, I need you to go take a time out and I'll get back to you later. And they really need to express themselves. So there's <laughs> something about expressing it, but then also working with people maybe to modify that over communication. I know I can be guilty of that. So, um, yes, but I think one of the first things that we need to do whenever we start in with a new class, whenever we start in with a new program or anything, it's, it can be nerve wracking because you don't know who you have. So what do you mean? When the, you don't know who you have, like when a student doesn't know who their teacher is, is that what you mean? Well, you might know some of the students that are coming into your class. You might recognize some of the names, but let's say that you have, let's say that you have 18 to 20 new kids coming into your class. Maybe you have 30, maybe you have 40 and they're all coming in and maybe you know some of them. Maybe you don't know others. Maybe you only know some by reputation. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Because this can happen all at once at the beginning of the first semester and then you have the second semester and you get the same thing. If you're a class, if you're an Your elementary with... teacher, then you have possibly the same children all year long mm -hmm. for better, for worse. <laughs> um, you if you're middle school, you are getting all these little nuggets who are really squirmy and squiggly and are trying to figure things out. Um, yeah. So, what's the the first thing i like to do with them is of course you want to know everybody's name and you want to do the people like to do these touchy-feely kind of feel good things of getting to know you and everything but i think the most important thing is to find a commonality yeah what are some things that we all like to do um, and then we organically learn each other's names and we learn more about each other as we go through. And yeah. And, and isn't that like a way that you can re help to remember people's names? If you can somehow find a connection like mm -hmm. that helps your, I feel like there's brain research about that. If you just have the person's name, oh, this is Christy versus like, oh, Christy has curly hair or, you know, I met Christy at this place. Like if you can connect it, Right. I feel there's like brain research that says yeah. that helps you remember if you can have some sort of connection, like just like a string of thoughts. Right. It's almost like using a mnemonic device. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So, and it's easier. And, and the odd thing is, is that even after almost a full year together, a lot of students still don't know each other's names. I know, right? Mm, that one's hard. And I'll go back to a, to a student I had, and she and I were talking, and there was another girl that I was working with, and this is when I was doing strategic tutoring. And we were we were 
discussing her math class. And she said, well, I don't know anybody in that class. And I said, you don't know anybody? You don't know, do you know the names of any of them? And she said, no, I don't know any of them. I said, would you recognize any of them? And she said, no. Oh, and I thought, really? That's not good. And the girl sitting on the other side of me slammed her books down, looked at her and said, excuse me. Oh, no. <laughs> Guess who's in your mouth? I have <laughs> sat next to you all year and I have helped you all oh, year long. And the other girl looked kind of sheepish and she said, Oh, <laughs> great. So yes. So learning from that is a, maybe the teacher needs to do a little better job about somehow, like you said, the, the commonality, learning right. everybody's name in there. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the student can work a little bit on it themselves. Like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to remember one case, person's name or. I think in know. that case it was a little lazy and <clears throat> I don't know what the problem was. It 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 made absolutely no sense to me. And the other girl um, was really kind of insulted because she said, I have tutored her. I have done all kinds of things with her oh my gosh. all year long. And the other one, she, well, she spent most of her time on her little, do you remember how they had those little game that, that um, yeah. see, I don't play video games. But they had like the when the portable games came out on those tiny little players that they could put in like the backpacks and they could play them. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Do you know almost that? like the size of a size of a large cell phone or something, right? Yeah, like yeah. The, it, this the, is yeah. like two thousand and nine, two thousand ten, something like that. And so that's that. This was the what the girl really wanted, and I said, okay. You're going to come back to me with three names for each of your classes. And she said, no. And I said, oh, yeah. She said, what if I don't? I said, then I call your mom and I tell her that you are just playing your game thing too much in, oh, in school. Oh, you're not paying attention. And she said, no, she'll take it away from me. And I said, exactly. Then you'll have to pay attention. So you found some motivation for her is what it sounds that, like. It was. It was. And that lasted. And then she promptly forgot. So everybody's names. Oh, well, I mean. It was hard for her. It was. Yeah. I think it's hard for people who are truly introverted. To and think outside of themselves in a sense, because. I don't even think it's introversion. I think sometimes that it's hard and it can be for um, also students who have ADHD, right? Your brain's just going all the time. And so for you to be able to like, stop, remember this one fact about this one person and have it stick so I can recall it again, super hard. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm even guilty of that where I'm super turbo about re recognizing faces. And I can usually be like, Oh, I remember where I've seen you. But like, kids will pass me in the hall, especially at the beginning of the school year. And but they'll pass me in the hall. And I'll be like, and then my brain has to think, okay, I know that student from this. Class. Oh, hey, hi. And you know, then they've passed me, right? So it, it takes me sometimes a while with the names. But we had a teacher that I co-taught with. Um, he was so good at remembering names on the like the first day of class. He was so good. I was quite, in, and I'd walk down the hall with him and be like, hey, how's it going, Fred? Hey, look at you, you know, 
Marion, hey, what's up there, Tony? Hey, Philip. I'm like, how? What? He just had that brain that just remembered. Yeah. It was. It was quite. Um, it was a. Mar I mean, it still sticks with me. And I started teaching with him, mm -hmm. co-teaching with like, I don't know, 14 years ago. And I was like, wow. But he had a bunch of kind of the. Um, it wasn't touchy feely, but he had. He always called on them with their names multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it kind of goes to that. You talked about, um, you sent me a little list of things about community and you had said engaging and he mm -hmm. did activities where you had to um, do activities to begin the school year. And it was um, Bunko. Have you ever played that game with the dice? It's a dice and game. And the bell. Um, There's a bell. Cause when somebody gets Bunko, you hear yeah, the little bell and then everybody goes. Ooh. Yeah. You can ring a bell or you can just Bunko, <laughs> right. Um, but in that game for our listeners who may not have played Bunko, it's a dice game and you're in groups of four and then each round, two of the people have to rotate. So you're always in a new group every round. Um, but he would have questions. Hey, as soon as you know, like round one, say your name and you know, you're great round two, say your name and you know, very low risk things. Mm -hmm. your favorite meal if you could travel anywhere where would it go um you know one thing you did over the summer anything like that but you always had to say your name so he kept walking around and listening and then he'd be like okay you're you know and they would practice their names between the rounds you're blah 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 and he'd keep saying their names so by the time class was over the game was over you know he has said everyone's names at least five six times like everyone has repeated their names mm -hmm. and so it was a very engaging way to do it you're physically moving around so you're not just you know sitting there oh hi fred hi right um and you had a commonality like you were talking about because you're all playing this game and you have to be constantly paying attention mm -hmm. so you were um it was active so it was a really good way to kind of start introducing yourself but kind of going what you were saying it's not super touchy-feely right right it's just a quick quick intro boom you're playing mm -hmm. so no it's perfect yeah it it's was a perfect. really great way to do it um and like i don't think there was one kid who was like what no where and you could even kick it up a notch if you wanted to do prizes or um you know little things like that or you win if your school has like a a reward system like we used to have those the tickets like you can mm -hmm. enter in like a school-wide raffle and so you could earn tickets so, i mean there's ways to make it kind of fun or you always play for candy because all the kids love candy or gum they always wanted gum <laughs> it's, the, it's the best instead of because gum is always the one candy that you're not supposed to have in school yeah it was Oh my gosh. I had some kids who were like, eh, I'm not going to work towards any prizes. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like some kids like gum. They'd be like, gum? <laughs> Ears perked up. Gum? Uh, sure. Golly gee. I, you know, but that's a pack of gum. That's pretty, you're going to have to, we got to kick it up a notch. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, all right. We're playing for gum. <laughs> but the raffles, I was really surprised at how successful the raffles were. Yeah. Yes. But there are also the kids who just won't do it. The raffles? Yeah. Don't. Yeah. They, I gave out, I don't remember how many tickets for the school-wide raffles this last year. And I went over to, because in our program, the kids had their own cubbies mm -hmm. to put things in. And I went over to this one kid's 
to see whether or not he had left some paperwork that I needed in there. And I walked over and there must have been 25 tickets. <laughs> right. And I and I looked at him and I said, dude, are you going to fill these out? And he said, oh, I don't know. I even know what to do. And I said, you put your name on them. Right. And then you take them down, you dump them into the thing. And he said, yeah, no, I don't like pizza. Because <laughs> he the- figured that that's what he was going to get. Oh, like there's all different prizes. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, for some people, it's a big deal. For others, it's not. Um, yeah. I noticed that the kids who come from more of the have-not homes were more inclined to enter. Mm-hmm. Not always, but more inclined. And the kids who came from the haves tended not to care so much. And it was, And it was interesting, too, because some... Of my students would hoard them. They would hold on to them until they got a big fat stack of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, I'm just going to stuff this, like stuff in the ballot box. You know, <laughs> it's going to increase your odds. I'm like, this is very true. And then I had other kids who were like, I'm going to lose them. I'm just going to, I won. I'm throwing it in there. Oops, sorry. When I, when I, th- you know, once I get it. Um, and some just wanted to earn them. Like they wanted the reward of getting it like the recognition part of it. Right. But the actual act of like, now I got to go walk down and turn it in. They're like, man, don't worry. That's, that wasn't it's their, too far. It's... or wasn't their collateral. Like that's wasn't what their, it wasn't their intrinsic motivation or extrinsic, right. I would say. Right. Um, yeah. So if you can find what, what would motivate the, you know, getting rewarded in front of their peers, that was worth more than earning some sort of food prize later. You know, so it just depended on the, just depended on the kiddo. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's another, that comes, that leads us right into the second one, which is embracing the differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because the differences, you're going to have it, you're going to have a very heterogeneous grouping, hopefully. Hopefully. Because, I was just going to say that. Hopefully. Because... Okay, so if you're looking for somebody to partner with for your life, you want somebody who can compliment you. And I don't mean complimentary <laughs> like, oh, baby, baby, you look yeah. so gorgeous. You are so good looking. It's more like having peanuts or parsley where they kind of complete what? they kind of complete everything. Peanuts and parsley? Yeah. I have is that a is that a Tony Hunt expression? I've never heard of that. No, I just made it up. Okay, I was going to say, I'm like, what? Well, Are those no, the two choices, peanuts compl- or parsley? It's something that complements something else. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Yes. There we go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like having the sweet and the savory. It's, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't mean peanuts and parsley together. Yeah, so it's like, what? What? That is a funky combination. Maybe yes. it works. I don't know. Somebody will have to <laughs> let me know. Um. But it's, you have peanuts, you, you have peanuts to go along with, let's say a beer in the evening. Got it. Right. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. You have parsley. Parsley goes along. It, it decorates and it makes things look a little nicer when you plate your dinner at night. And sometimes you have recipes that say, put the parsley on top when you serve. Right. 
So but they're very different. They're very different. And so when you're looking for somebody who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you don't want somebody who's going to be the mirror image of yourself. I mean, unless there's, I don't know. I I mean, you want somebody who has common interests, but then you want somebody else. So let's say that. That's something that challenges you or, or, you know, mm -hmm. either stimulates you intellectually or, you know, you both have. Right. I have. I have really good ideas on how to do things in my house. I do not have the patience to take the time to get them done. So <laughs> I end up hiring people to do them because when I do them, it always costs me just a little bit more because we have to fix the situation. Oh, <laughs> so right. if I'm painting a wall, I accidentally paint the ceiling not I can be doing so well. Right. 99% done and I will lift the brush and I'll say, "Yeah," and I will have taken a swipe on the ceiling. Yes. Yep. So um fortunately I keep a lot of ceiling white around <laughs> for the touch-ups. Yeah. <laughs> for the touch-ups. But um you know, but you want to have somebody who can do those things and you need to be aware of what your skills are and they need to know what those are too. Mm -hmm. So you can exploit those for each other. Right. And or support them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, my parents, they would fight like cats and dogs, but my dad was very good at mechanical things Mm -hmm. and at very much um, thingy things. At, at what? At thingy things. Thingy thingy things. Thingy things like cars. He was good at putting stuff together. If something needed to be fixed, ah, if something okay. needed to be painted, whatever. My mom was an idea person, and she was a very good people person. My dad was very good with people too, on a different level. My mom could get people to do things. My dad was more of a chitter chatter. Okay. <laughs> He was, he was, he was like the kind of guy that could walk into a room and just start up a conversation and be somebody's friend within two minutes. Oh, that's like my dad. My dad's like that too. So, um, yeah. And even people who he had differences with, it, it, it didn't matter. They would, he would have a great time with them because he always looked for the good things in people. So, yeah, because you want to be, you want to, you want to celebrate the differences in the classroom. So you want to celebrate the talents that everybody has. So how do you find what the differences are in, in your classroom, in your community? Because this could work with adults too. Right. In your class. Yes, exactly. Sorry. I got slightly distracted for just a moment because I have a fan going and it's got the little ribbons tied to the front of it. You know, they're kind of fluttering. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why I did it a long time ago. And so now I have a puppy who's like, woo, and she's trying to bite at the ribbons. But I'm worried that she's going to get it and then pull the whole fan over on her. So I had to like, no, no. <laughs> Gosh, this is like, here's my life. Oh, they're silly. But I, and- so I agree with what you are saying that you have to find, you don't, you certainly don't want a class where everybody's exactly the same because that's. Right. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, But you also have to have recognized that there are differences. So you have to kind of within your classroom create 
how how can we work together and respect each other's differences and then ha and still feel safe in our classroom and be able to at some point trust each other and that takes a long time and so but I, I think that once you find out okay so for example let's say that you and I are partnered together mm -hmm. and you're more you're very methodical okay in how you do things I'm not <laughs> I kind of see things I envision them and then all of a sudden they come vomiting out of me Right, right. And then you're good at parsing through the stuff. Mm -hmm. Or, and let's say we get somebody else who's very artistic. And so that what we're going to be able to do with that is we can use the artistic, the ideas that come pouring out of my brain, um, we can then take a look at and we can organize those. Right. And we can work with each other. And the artistic one is also helping out with all of this. And then we come up with something beautiful that's artistic and it's got something to it. Right. And so that's what I mean, because that's how you find out who you should partner who with and who has what strengths and who has what weaknesses. Right. And then on the exactly right. How, wh who, what are everyone's strengths? How can they contribute Mm -hmm. for the greater whole, right? Like that's your ultimate goal. Exactly. Because yeah. isn't that what we do in society anyway? Yes. That's the that's the goal, right? That's what we hope everybody will do. The trick mm -hmm. is when you have, you know, it always happens in, you know, you're not always able to choose your partner. So you have to, you're, you're you know, count off by fours or, you know, all the different ways that teachers try and mix things up. And so what happens if you are all three artistic in your group or you have four people who are like, you know, just do the word vomit, but not really good at the methodical part. Then what do you do? So you got to kind of. Then you have to figure out who has then. Well, actually, that would be great because now they have to work on their weaknesses mm -hmm. and they have to figure something out. And so what might begin to look like. um what they might consider to be a pile of poo <laughs> might actually become something incredibly outside the box and glorious. Yeah. Sometimes those are, those groups are more exciting because they really have to work on turn taking and decision making, right? Like, Hey, we can't all make the poster or whatever. So someone's going to have to, you know, create the PowerPoint or do the research or present it. So you have to kind of, hopefully everyone does, but like you said, kind of pushes into their, out of their comfort zone, which is kind of a nice thing if it, when it happens yeah. well. And, and I think what we're talking about here is ego because we want everybody to have a healthy ego. We don't want them to have a, um, extraordinarily active ego where they believe that they're better than everybody else and kind of take over. Right. But a healthy ego where they know how far they can go, but they also allow other people in mm -hmm. and they know when to stop. 
and they're yeah, not and be willing to work together. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the hard thing. You know, if you've got three team or four, whatever, I'm just using three randomly, um, you know, and everyone's willing to work together. That's, that's progress, right? You can kind of get there. The hard thing is when in you have a community again in your classroom and not everyone wants to that one's that gets hard one is just refusing Tell me more so you know we've you know we teachers have had it where you either are like hey okay we're all going to work in a group i'm not doing that work i'm not doing it i refuse or if you call on them or we're going to do this um even all like any of those icebreakers and we have students who are like i'm not going to do it and so then you're kind of now we're stuck do we well, you know, ha- it and depends on have have you known the student long enough? Is this like day one or is this, you know, we're in June, right? Are are you um, are they too outside their comfort zone? And is there a different way that they can participate or are they just like being almost defiant? Like what you are know, they being a puppy and testing their limits with you to see what you're going to be able to right. do with them? Yeah. Are they, you know. I, I can think of it all the time. It always there's all it always happens, right? There's one who's not choosing, not wanting to for whatever reason, um, to participate in said activity. Right, and with that person, I would say, okay, who here knows you the best? And then we will have maybe you can work with them to tell us something yeah about you or if you're not willing to do that here i'll let you do it yeah and, do they... but there's a danger in having people work independently because then they don't really get into the community right but yep. you leave pieces out and so i would say okay here's what i would like you to do and then somehow or other at your own time you're going to have to find somebody in this group to take care of this component. Right. Or what, what is it about this project assignment, whatever the activity is that is causing you to pump the brakes if they can, a lot of times the kids can't even really identify what it is. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, I have some who are like, you know, the moment you say, Hey, you're going to present it to class. Boosh, they're like, I'm out, you know, they're not going to present. <laughs> so, you know, Maybe you are the person who runs the PowerPoint. So you're up there, but you're just pressing the slides or you are, um, you, the assignment was to do a poster or whatever. So you, maybe you're up there and you hold the poster or you point to it, or you are the person who's like takes questions and you call on people. So are there ways that they can still participate and be a part of their community team? And I think, yes. You know, but that takes a lot of time. Like, and you got to, and that's hard for sometimes for brand new teachers where they're like, this is not part of my lesson plan. Right. So you got to figure out. Sometimes you have to take 10 steps back to make a giant leap forward to make it over that river. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you fall short of making it to the other bank and you Mm -hmm. get yourself all wet, but it's a shorter swim. So what I'm thinking is. If you were to break down the possibility of what are the what are the what are the responsibility possibilities 
I like that. Responsibility possibilities <laughs> of this task. Mm -hmm. So here's an assignment. So what is it that people can do? Yeah. And, and where do you think that you could fall, find yourself there? Right. And have them write that down. Yeah. It's all about the balance, right? What can... Exactly. How, how can you contribute so that you are hopefully as best as possible an equal contributor, but, and also kind of pushing a little bit outside your comfort zone because we want everybody to learn something, mm -hmm. um, but not pushing it so far where they shut down, refuse, you know, like you lose them, right? And sometimes right. it's even just the community building of just being as a whole class participating in a lesson as opposed to like separating into group projects. Sometimes it's just, hey, I just, you don't want to get cold called on in class that that makes you uncomfortable or freak out or you panic or you shut down or you blank out. So what are some, like I've done that a lot. Hey, what if I prep you and say, hey, I'm going to, we're on problem one. I'm going to call you on problem seven or we're reading out loud. I'm, I'm going to have you read this paragraph. Is this okay? And you kind of let them know. So you kind of hopefully can work with the students in those whole group things so that they aren't feeling embarrassed, right? They mm -hmm. don't get, um, I don't want to say shamed, but you're not, cause you don't, you're not intentionally shaming the student, but sometimes they're just like, oh my God, spotlight is on me and I can't take it. And right. And so what are ways that you can. You could do the mini whiteboards. Yeah. And have the teams hold those up. Right. Yeah. The teams can hold them up or if you're doing, you know, work. and I kind of go back to the whole class community because that's also a big thing that you want. You want your all the students to feel part of your whole classroom and mm -hmm. we're all going to, um, you know, just basic things. We're going to if if having a student raise your hand, raise their hand before they speak out so they're not talking all over each other, you know, maybe find ways to work on that activity at the beginning of the school year so people feel heard. Right. Or, you know, just just like those kind of basic uh, foundational behaviors that you as a teacher want in your classroom community so mm -hmm. that everyone feels comfortable, you feel safe, you feel heard and respected. It's a environment that's hopefully ripe for learning as best as possible. Um, allowing for the different processing speeds of students um, that kind of thing. And so then you, when they break into their smaller groups, that trust is already there. So hopefully they feel comfortable mm -hmm. with now working on a smaller, more intimate scale, right? It's easier right. to hide in a class of 30 versus in a group of three. Exactly. Um, yeah. Cause but that, that is a life skill. You got to be able to know how to interact with other people in some capacity in, in life. Oh, exactly. And so do you think skill? Do you think to piggyback on what you were talking about? Do you believe that it would be good to have some time for students? And I'm thinking more of the alternative classroom. I'm thinking maybe because you're special ed, maybe in your special mm -hmm. ed classroom, because yeah. I know that you taught um, a class where kids were learning their uh, skills for going out into the real world yep. after school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After they graduate. Um, is it possible that they have time where maybe some kids are pretty good with some math and they could tutor some of the kids in the class 
and they could take turns because the kids that aren't good at math, maybe they're good at something else. And so they could be doing something to highlight that skill and they could be working with people and you just say, okay, so what, what classes are you really good at? Mm -hmm. And if, of course, you're going to have some that say, I just totally suck. (laughs) No, come on. There's a class you like. No, I suck at everything. That's like, okay, so you do well with milkshakes. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there's something. Or maybe, you know, humor, storytelling. They could do something like that. Right. And um, because you always have to be vigilant to take a look to see what is it that a student can do that might actually be one of those little diamonds in the rough. Right. Yeah. I So your original question is, that, is there an opportunity for some students to be able to either lead or tutor, tutor or instruct um, others? And yeah, absolutely. I think that's, um, I think it's important to check in with that student because they could be like super smart and, you know, science or health or art or whatever. But do they feel comfortable where they can explain it and teach another student sometimes. Right. right. Um, but if you, if you break it down to a concept, yeah. How can I do this concept? Mm-hmm. Like let's take algebra. How do you do mirror? What's that thing that you do where you have like two, two squares. Let's say you have square ABCD. Mm-hmm. ABC. Yeah. That's four. Yep. <laughs> square ABCD. Yeah. And you want to make a mirror of it. Right. What's like reflection. Formula? Right. How yeah. do you do reflection or, or transformations yeah. where you're. How do you do yeah. that? And so could they teach the other student yeah. how to do that? And sometimes and, it just happens naturally when you set up your seating chart. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's not so obvious that like. I'm going to have you, Tony, tutor Philip because you're great at math and Philip needs help, right? And then now Philip's like, wait, what? You know, he maybe he doesn't want that. He doesn't want another student teaching. But when I create my seating chart, I might be like, you know, Philip really does well um, on kind of like a quiet one-on-one opportunity. And Tony's a very patient math person. So when I do my seating chart, I'm just going to naturally have them sit together and just kind of some, Mm -hmm. and sometimes that just kind of, you know, then as a teacher, you just fly by, hey, Tony, can you just show Philip that one thing you were telling me about? And boosh, you just keep going. And then it just kind of happens. And it's not so like structured yeah. and forced, you know. Um, and that's and again, that goes all the way back to what we talked about a lot of podcasts ago about you've got to create a you got to build relationships with your students because then you then, you know, what strengths your students have and what they're receptive to Mm -hmm. um and can you have these situations or does it kind of like i just said it needs to happen kind of calmly and that's just that's that's the investment teachers have to make with their students at being in the school year for it to pay off the rest of the school year and if you just go straight into like hey we're all going to sit in rows and i'm just going to learn your name that's in that's it and then we're just going to learn 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 well then you have missed opportunities Right. I think you need to communicate. It's the communication piece. And I think at the very beginning of the year, you can say, okay, as we go along, and I'm going to ask you this again in a few weeks, 
maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. Mm -hmm. If anybody here feels as though they are comfortable um, receiving help from another student in tutoring, because maybe we have somebody in here who's really good at some of these things. And invariably, the students will say, ow, Pepe over there is really good with math. Right. And they'll say, Zsa Zsa is really good with <laughs> with the um, you know, science or right. chemistry. Or, right. Yeah. And, you know, and so you, the kids already kind of pinpoint their experts in there. Mm -hmm. And so with how many of you would be willing to do that? I know that, and um, maybe they have to give a speech in something like economics. Maybe they have to give a presentation or something and they're really nervous about it, maybe they could practice that presentation with somebody. Right. Sometimes just presenting it in front of another person and that other person doesn't really have to do anything, right? They just yeah. give feedback. That's that's easy. Yeah. Or, some, or right? hand them a paper that they're working on and have the other person read it to them and yeah. do some editing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yep. I mean, there's a lot that you can do because all of that goes to the next category, which is engagement. Mm-hmm. And I think everything that we've talked about so far relays to engagement. Right. Because um, you have to have active participation because engagement is one of those weird things. Um, I was reading an article yesterday, I think it was, where they were talking about student engagement. And how do you know that the students are actually engaged? Mm-hmm. And just because they're pay just because they their eyes aren't glossed over and they're <laughs> nodding their head and they're not asleep doesn't mean that they're actually engaged. Correct. They might be listening to you, but they might be, I don't know, thinking about what happened last night um at home. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're thinking about their boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah. Maybe they're, they're thinking drifting. You know, yeah. Yep. There's so much that's going on. We've so, all done it. but but when you hear students that are speaking with each other, and they know that something is coming up, there's there is a little bit of you stress, EU stress, which is good stress, where the students know that they're responsible for something and that's coming up. Right, and, a little pressure. Yeah, uh, just a little pressure, and because you don't want them to go into distress. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly. a fine line. So you want to make sure that they're there, but you also want to make sure that if something happens, that there's a safety net for them. Mm -hmm. Even though some of them may always look for that safety net because they like the bounce of it. Right, right. Or it's too scary to not have a safety net. Right, right, because they just aren't getting there. Yep. So, but you know, I mean, all that can be fumbled around with. And this is where you build the relationship. So you get to know who the kids are mm -hmm. and you get to know who your peers are as well, because in the community, you're also going to be speaking peer to peer and you want the students to be speaking peer to peer as well. Right. So you have a very good working environment. Yeah. Yeah. We do. Um, one of my classes a few years ago, we, um, I'm trying to think. So it was our, remember our trauma-informed uh, teacher came and was working with the whole school about stress continuum and, um, mm -hmm. right, and, and we had a big grant and was super great. Um, and I would have him come to our class all the time and talk because the class I was teaching 
they really struggled with <laughs> staying regulated and working, maintaining, um, understanding the stress continuum and understanding how their social emotion, they were just so, they were just such an emotional class. So he came all the time. And I distinctly remember one of his topics that we had was all about code switching, which is such an important mm -hmm. life skill, which is that because kids say the same thing as like, I should be able to talk to you the same way I talk to my friends, the same way I talk to, you know, the cops, the same way I talk to, you know, the grocery clerk or whatever. I'm like, nope. You know, like there, <laughs> that is not true. And, it, and he did a great lesson all about code switching. It's almost kind of like ripples in a pond, right? You've got the intimate way that you speak to and with someone. And then I can't remember all five levels. I wish I did, but yeah, it's all, it's gone. Um, but, you know, kind of the, you can't speak the same way to your, nor should you, to your boss that you do with your closest friend that you do with a complete stranger, you know, bank teller, right? Like mm -hmm. you have to be able to learn the social and environmental clues and be able to code switch or adjust your communication style. And so that's what we kind of talk to them a ton about is that, you know, the way you talk to your friends is not how you talk to your teacher. And then the way that you answer a question in class versus presenting in class, it's all different. And so then it kind of, and that kind of connects to engagement, right? You're going to probably be super engaged in conversations with your closest bestie, right? Because you, right. you're, you're vested in it. This is a intimate relation not necessarily like physical or sexual but like they are this is your best best friend so you are very connected to it versus like giving a speech on lincoln right like you're not right. <laughs> your level right. engagement is going to be way off um but kind of what you were saying you still have to be engaged in both of these modes of communication you still want to listen to what your friend is saying and either support them or let them vent or problem solve. And you still also need to communicate clearly all the things you know about Lincoln or whatever, you know, to mm -hmm. the class. Um, and how do you pronounce and, you know, your loudness of your voice and making eye contact and right. all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of going to engagement. And so for, unfortunately, a lot of our students right now have lost two years of that because mm -hmm. all their engagement and code switching was through a screen um, mm -hmm. and sometimes a black dot screen because they didn't turn their camera on right so <laughs> you couldn't even have like the eye contact and re understanding body language and stuff so i i feel like that that bullet point or whatever the engagement part i think is a mm -hmm. is going to need a lot of work with a lot of our students for the next few years just because they lost a huge chunk of it at a pretty critical time they of did their academic career mm -hmm. unfortunately you know and the research is showing that the middle school students are the ones who really lost a ton yeah because that's such a huge de developmental period mm -hmm. yeah yep right totally okay so decision making uh-huh and that goes in with your code switching that goes yeah. in with the group work that goes in with a lot so i kind of feel we already kind of we kind of talked about it without saying the actual bullet point, but yeah, like, right. Well, who's in your I, group work? Who's doing what part, you know? Right. But I also want the students to feel empowered mm -hmm. so that I am working with them. I'm more of a mentor, right? I'm not necessarily, um, going to take on that teacher role. 
Mm-hmm. I'm there. So if they have a question, they can come and they can talk to me and we can figure that out. Something I, you know, I sat there and I thought, um, I was reading this wonderful article um, from 2006. And it's one of those things where how do we, how do we teach problem solving in a sense with students? And because if we're always solving their problems, what do we do? And so is it possible every once in a while to throw a problem out to the teams and call the students together, the teams, and have them figure out and mm-hmm. work out solutions to the problems. And you just come up with problems. And then maybe that might actually help some of the um, brain work take place that the students need in order for them to start being able to figure out other ways to problem solve and to realize that there is more than just one solution. Right. Yeah. There's the math curriculum that we have used, um, does that because, and it's a, it's so fun to teach math this way because for so long, right. The traditional way we've always learned or uh, many people is, is like, here's your equation and then here's the formula and then you solve it. Do, do, Mm -hmm. do. And, but I, and then we give them, you basically it's your story problems, right? But I keep telling, and the kids are like, but I hate those. I'm like, but you know, if you go, like you were saying, like you're going to paint your house, you don't walk in to, you know, Home Depot or the paint store or whatever, and just be like, give me enough paint to paint my room, right? You have to figure it out. You need to figure out the, you know, the square footage, and then you've mm-hmm. got to determine which kind of paint it is. And then like, if you're on a budget and then how much paint, you know, per, you know, all these things, you just don't walk in and be like, here's my formula. Like you have to figure these things out. So the curriculum we have is directly to what you were saying. It's all this situational and you have to kind of figure out, you know, how many gumballs are in here. Well, now if you, every fifth time you get five gumballs and you have this much money, how many, you know, so all these kind of situational Mm -hmm. things, as opposed to solve this equation, three X plus five Y equals 18 or whatever. Right. Um, And so, because that's what, that's what life is. I have this mm-hmm. much money and I'm going to get paid on the 25th and I have these bills. And so how much do I need to set aside to pay? You know, no one's telling you exactly what to do, but it's such a hard switch for the kids who are so used to being like spoon fed and give questions, spit out answer. And so to have to work together, I feel the more that that happens in the classroom, the better. So part of me is thinking, would it be fun though with the students to give them something from one of those board pandas articles or one of the AITA articles. Am I the lower abdominal orifice? What? And then you. I don't know what you just said. Am I the what? (laughs) Am I the boo-boo? You know, the. Am I the donkey hole? Okay. It's... Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. What's another word for donkey? Well, yeah. So like you're saying, if, who's the jackass? Is that what you're saying? No. Am I the Ass. a-hole? The a-hole. Okay. Is okay. So you take one of those. Okay. There's, okay. There's, there's, actually, there's actually columns on this. 
Oh my and gosh. so people present situations and then they say, am I A-I-T-A? Oh, oh, I'm back with you. I thought you were talking about like a teacher worksheet because you were talking about. Oh, no. And I'm like, what? Yes, a teacher this? worksheet. We're going to be doing this on a teacher worksheet. Oh, I'm, I'm back with do, you. Yes, gonna, someone posts something and be like, here's the situation. Right. And right. So you create one yes. of those and then you throw it out to them. Okay. And you tell the students and you, and you have the teams. Let's say that you have. 16 kids and you have four teams and two of them have to say, have to come up with reasons for yes, you are. And the other ones would come up with, no, you're not. And, you know, and see what we can come up with on that. Okay. Or maybe you don't do that. Maybe you just have them all come up with something to say, and it's stuff to discuss. And then you throw in, you can play devil's advocate. Yes, but why didn't they? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Right. Keep let them know that there's not always going to be a definitive final answer, right? There right. could be multiple correct answers and you got to pick the best one. Maybe That's we it. don't have all the information because there's always a second side to a story, isn't mm-hmm. there? Yep. And sometimes, you know, perception is everything too. So working along with problems and giving them, giving them those kinds of problems as well might help them determine some decision-making later on in life. Right. Is what I'm thinking. And then all of that is also a part of facing realities. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of students are cocooned. Yes. And yep, yep, yep. The, the, remember the student that I told you that couldn't recognize anybody in her classroom, even right. the girl who had worked with her all year long who was sitting like four feet from her yeah and talking with her um she basically went home and just stayed in her room and just played on tumblr oh boy and and did her video games i mean that was her life and she was very happy she had friends but they were almost the same kind of just so inwardly focused right? that the rest of the world didn't exist. I know. And, That's um, hard. And they were, and even those students were worried about that one. And I jokingly said, because <clears throat> I knew where she lived, and I jokingly said, well, do you ever like go over to say the mall to meet up with friends? Because you live so close. No, my parents don't want me to leave once I get home from school. And I said, really? Why? Mm. Oh, I don't know. They just don't want me to leave. They want me to stay at home. And I said, well, and jokingly, I said, don't they have a life insurance policy on you? Oh, jeez. <laughs> and she said, I don't know. And I oh. said, well, maybe you should ask. And so <laughs> she asked her mother and her mother said, yes, we do. And I said, well, then they should be a little more comfortable letting you go. Yeah. And she said, no, I think they want me alive. And oh, I said, well, yeah, insular. but I mean, even just going over there and meeting up with friends and just getting out and just doing things, mm-hmm. you know, being active outside. Um, there might be things that students hadn't thought of doing, or maybe it might challenge them to want to do something. Because every student, even the ones I know that really hate school, realize once they get a job that they're learning something 
that they're going to be able to use. Right. Like every, every experience you're hopefully learning something. Mm -hmm. And then how do we celebrate successes and how do we celebrate failures? Because yeah. without the failures, we're never going to have a lot of good success. Right. Yes. Both are, both are equally, both are important parts of the process. Right. So give me an example of celebration. Um, well, and kind of like what I mentioned before, like what, what are they working towards? For some, it's an, an extrinsic reward. So maybe, you know, it's the grade or they earned extra credit or they earned gum. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And then and then sometimes, you know, you can do if you're working like as a whole class, maybe, you know, if the whole class can stay on task or we can get through this lesson, then you can earn, you know, free you five minutes on everyone gets to be on their phone for five minutes or you can um have work time at the end you're like you know what does the class want to work towards and so they've got these extrinsic rewards and sometimes you're working for intrinsic you know you're working for pride i've been struggling in this math concept and i finally understand it and that's very um i feel accomplished i've persevered um sometimes it's um having um, people, your parents be proud of you or you, you know, so it's, it just depends. So those are the celebrations. And so it can be, do you do um, that in the classroom? Do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do that with all the, all of your students? I think it really depends on what the task is, right? Do you if, send a card home? I've done that. I've done, um, phone calls to parents, mm -hmm. you know, if a kid has really been struggling or I know that this kid probably has received or their family has received multiple phone calls that have not been positive, right? Like, oh, okay, this, this kid's in trouble again. Um, so sometimes having that phone call come home and be like, Hey, you know, we, I know that it's been hard, but the student did really well today and they really, you know, this was what we were working on and they met this goal. Um, I think it's important, I guess, taking a step back is what is the goal? What's the objective of whatever mm -hmm. the task is, whether it's a whole class activity, um, if it's group work, if it's an assignment, like what are they, what are they working towards? And not every activity needs to be huge celebrations every single oh, time. Oh, no, no. Right? I mean, like, they can be, they can be small things, Yeah. But, you know, but it's kind of like, okay, so let's say that I'm working with my students on math and then we get to a certain point and just, and I know they know that there's a test coming up that they're going to be asked to know everything. Right. So I'm going to set up a Jeopardy board that's going to go over everything from the beginning of the yeah. year to see how much they've retained. And maybe we do that every other week. Right. Yeah. And we, and we, and that just kind of, and we do baseball Jeopardy. Where, or basketball Jeopardy, where they have to answer the question. If they get it right, then they can shoot yeah. the, uh, the, the ball and try to make it into the waste paper basket yeah. or something. Yeah, and there's lots of things out there, programs that for teachers so that you don't have to create. Like, you know, back in the day, we mm -hmm. had to create all the questions and set the whole thing up. And now there's like Nearpod and Cahoots, and um, they actually have online Jeopardy. I've used that too, where you input all the questions and answers right. and it does it all for you. 
And sometimes just the act of that game, and we did, you know, cahoots and the top three prize, you know, they tell you who the top three are. And then I had one kid who, uh, several of our kids love dinosaur stickers, like, so, cause they put stickers all over their water bottles. Mm-hmm. And so, um, they're like, Oh, oh God, stinky sticker. stickers. Stinky yeah. Stickers. You know, just, I used to give my kids, but yeah. I did, I did a course called SimCity math. This tells you how many years ago. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and these were the gang kids. And so what I did was I went and I bought tons of stinky stickers. And so all the stickers smelled different. Right. And, you know, I had dinosaurs that smelled like different kinds of jelly beans. I had stars and happy... Anyway. Yes. So I would put those out. And when the students finished successfully on something, they got got their choice of stinky sticker. And they just went up and they put it up that they had finished that one thing mm-hmm. and then they could sit down, they could play SimCity for a while. Right. And, um, I got, I somehow or other, I allowed myself to get, they, there were some very popular stickers and I got myself down to the very last one. Oh, and there were three students who were racing to get that. Uh, <laughs> who's going to get it, it? They were fighting over it. It was so much fun, but yeah. Yeah. So, okay, we're almost, we're almost done. I know. I think we're, we're at the. And balance. How do we teach students about balance? I think that is just all the time, every day, nonstop about how it's, and in little doses, how do you balance your time? How do you, um, I know you and I do that when you're approaching the end of the quarter and kids are working, you know, they a lot of times kids are behind on their work. And so we kind of talk about which stuff should they work on. And, um, and I just think you just, that's just conversations that happen all the time with your students Mm -hmm. that you're having. And they tend to be, I think more effective when they happen kind of naturally, as opposed to we're all going to talk about balance today. Right. Then it's just, (laughs) they're not listening to you. Um, They're not. No, but it's just kind of like little, and it could be as simple as like, hey, we're going to, we, I do this all the time. Like we're going to take a test. And then when the test is over, not everyone finishes at the same time. So what are some things that you could do during this time? And so I just make a mm-hmm. list, right? How many of you still with this list have no idea what to do when the test is done? You know, a couple of kids raise their hands. I will come check in with you and we will brainstorm. And so you're trying to just find of like, hey, a simple thing of like, we are all not going to finish at the same time, but we need to be respectful of the t- testing environment and some mm-hmm. things you can't do. Like you can't walk around and hang out with your friends and you know, that kind of stuff, but you could work on homework. So that's that balance. Hey, you didn't right. have a chance to do it last night cause you were busy or forgot your computer or didn't do it, but you can do it now. You can read, you can work on other classwork that maybe you need to get caught up on. Like this is an opportunity. Um, and so it's right. just little teeny things where you are helping them to figure out. Cause sometimes if you just say, figure it out, they can't, it's just too much for them or well, they haven't been. No, taught. I mean, that's, that's an overwhelming statement. Right. I tell yeah. the students, you know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I, and if you can't do it at home, is there a time during the day that you can do this here? Yeah. Spend 20 minutes working really hard on this and then give yourself a five to 10 minute break. And then do another 20 minutes and get as much done as you can. And then another five to 10 minute break. And if you still have time, 
continue that way. Yes. And yeah. don't take the break if you're if you're on a roll and if you're getting a whole bunch of stuff done. Right. If you get a whole lot done and you surpass what you thought you could do, then you're done for the day. And yeah. just sell and just, you know, treat yourself to something. Right. And yeah. that goes back to celebrations, right? Exactly. And some of the students do it. And then some of them say, well, I have to work. And it's like, well, what time do you go to work? And sometimes it's right after school. Mm-hmm. And they yep. don't get home until 9, 10, 11 o'clock yes. at night. Yep. And then I talk to them in, in the next day and they say, yeah, I didn't get to sleep until four this morning. I know. Well, why? Well, I couldn't sleep. Well, were you on TikTok? What were you doing? <laughs> well, yeah, I was talking to my friends. And, you know, that's their balance, though. Yeah, and, but, and you need to have that balance of you do need to not have to do school all mm -hmm. the time. You shouldn't have just school and work. You do need, everyone needs some downtime. What can that downtime be? What, it, what, and then, you know, is it just going for a walk? Is it meditating? Is it mm -hmm. doodling? Is it, um, you but, know, and, and I always try and tell them like, don't go on your phone because that is just a black hole. You can, it's so hard to just only do that in a teeny chunk, right? But um, since the pandemic, it is epidemic. That's another epidemic. I mean, that's even worse. Yeah. To tell them that they can't have their phone, they'll say, right. no. Well, and I tell them, like, don't have your phone, but just like, don't go on to social media because that's so hard to get out of that. But it could be where you do one of those games, right? The games are only like Candy Crush. It's only five minutes or your stupid Clash of Clans is three minutes, right? Like I, I know what they are doing. never just five minutes. Well, some of them are like Clash of Clans they like or Clash Royale or whatever. It's like, it's a three minute game, right? So oh, you just okay. how much, however much you can just do in three minutes. So just do that and then come back like, or set a timer. Um, but I try and have them like move around or, you know, go to a different part of the house or just stand up and stretch or, you know, whatever you mm -hmm. can do. But it is kind of, you know, you're, you have to kind of sometimes, and again, going back to relationships, because then you figure out those kids who do have either sports after school or they do have jobs or they have to watch their siblings and they can't do homework or they, um, uh -huh. you know, I had one student who rode the bus for like an hour and a half to get to and from school just because mm -hmm. that was their home situation and so you know figuring out those getting to know your kids what are their what do their lives look like and then how can you maybe if they are showing signs of struggling or not knowing what to do working with them to figure out how to balance it and sometimes right. it's little teeny you work for five minutes and then you're done and that's that's a success. And then the next mm -hmm. day we're going to try for maybe seven. Um, We've kind of covered everything, yeah. I think. I mean, yeah. there might be something, but I'm going to put it all down in the show notes on bullet points. And then um, if you want to fill in the blanks on each one of those, you can. Um, or let us know if we hit everything. So we are going to say adios. So thank you, Christy, for showing up today. Yeah. And, um, I mean, yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're going back to PBS voice. <laughs> thank you, Christy, for showing up today. It's been a real <laughs> pleasure. And I will say, please subscribe and also leave us a review. And we will see you next week. 